Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Okay. Is only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a neuroblocker, and I love film. As Charles Dickens once said, there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humour. Also, the film Happy Gilmore is pretty fucking hard to dislike. That's true, Charles. That is true. Every week, I invite a special guest over. I tell them they've died. Then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Kevin Smith, Sharon Stone, Jamila Jamil, James Acaster, and even Pred Campbells. But this week, oh, what a guest. It is the phenomenal genius that is russell t davis get over to the patreon at patreon.com forward slash brett goldstein where you'll get about an extra 25 minutes with russell we talk in depth about beginnings and endings you get a secret from him you can get the whole episode uncut and ad free and as a video check it out over at patreon.com forward slash brett goldstein your two tv missions as always are to watch season one of ted lasso on the apple tv plus app and season one of soulmates on amazon prime one will make you happy the other will make you question your relationships so, Russell T. Davies, come on, what a legend. Russell T. Davies is responsible, I think, for at least eight stone-cold masterpieces of British TV. It's more. I mean, it is more. I'm trying to be like, you know, most people make like one incredible... It's incredible. His output is as extraordinary as it is prolific. He's a genuine hero. I think... I, you know, and people say it, but yeah, I think he is a genius. Don't tell him that. He's also bloody nice. And look, I'm going to be straight up with you. A lot of this episode is just me telling Russell how much I love him. You know what? I stand by it. He's fucking brilliant. I hope that you will love this episode too. We recorded it over a Zoom a couple of months ago. I've been very excited for you all to listen. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 149 of Films to be Buried with. and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by an absolute hero, a legend, a writer, an executive producer, a creator. Genuinely, is he number one? I think he might be the greatest TV writer that we have had in this universe. Let's call it that. I cannot believe he's here. I love him with all my heart. Will you please welcome to the show the brilliant, the amazing, it's Russell D. Davis! Hooray! That was my best piece of writing. I actually wrote that, that introduction. <laughs> and you, you banged it out in a minute, which is... Yeah, easy. <laughs> yeah, I was very impressed. Russell, I've got so much more to talk to you about. Thank you for doing the show. Are you okay? I am good, actually, yes. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> good. <laughs> I don't think I've been this uh, giddy about being with a guest well, for a long can time. Can I say giddy? I think I'm like, I looked at your podcast, I'm like number 1,526. You've interviewed everyone in the world before getting around to me. I think this is the very first time that you've not been working on 25 things all at once. <laughs> I saw the window. I was like, hang on, he's doing a lot of interviews. <laughs> around. He's or was, was this just the first time I bothered to reply to an email? One it or the other. Be, it might right. be that. Firstly, if you don't mind me saying this, I'm going to shower you with love. First thing I'll say is, you're a lovely man. And I'll tell you for why. And I've found this genuinely extraordinary. I met you. I was doing Catherine Tate live show. You yeah. came to see it because of your love and friendship with Catherine Tate. 
We met Deep after love. this show. You were very nice. We had a nice chat. You heard that Catherine and I had made this film Superbob. You said, I'll watch that. I thought, yeah, of course he won't. <laughs> Not only did you watch it, you sent me an essay about it <laughs> in which it was like a sort of creative writing essay on like why the plot did this, why this, why all the stuff that you hope that someone will notice was going on in it. I couldn't believe it. It was so nice of you. I thought, what a very nice man. And that was just the beginning. Uh, thank you. I loved it. Well, you're very kind. But uh, do you know what I didn't know? Right, so basically you're the most prolific and brilliant. I think in a way it's even hard to talk about your stuff because most people have like a, well, then they did their masterpiece. But I was looking at your <laughs> CV. It's all, they're all, they're all oh. your masterpiece. I didn't, I'd forgotten you did Second Coming. That's oh, God, fucking yes. brilliant. I think about that a lot. Do you know, I think, I think I made that the wrong time. I should make that now. Yes. Imagine on Netflix, Netflix with like $10 million per episode. Imagine the miracles and the yeah. crowds. Imagine the internet. He'd travel all over the world now. He'd go to Israel. He'd go to New York. That was, it was truly in the wrong time, that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So can we talk a little bit about your brain? Because <laughs> you, all of the shows you've done, Second Coming, the res- resurrecting, redoing Doctor Who, making it amazing, years and years, it's a sin. They're all hugely, amazing. aside from all the things that are brilliant about them, you've got, there's so many ideas in all of these things. And in Doctor Who, every week you have a new philosophy, a new, you know, a whole, is your brain constantly going, blah, 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 blah. like, how does it work for you? <laughs> Actually, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And um, you're right, but I only kind of realised this recently, like in the past two years. I thought everyone's brains were like that all the time, like all the time, all the time. Yeah. And I, I am recently coming to terms with the fact that it isn't for most people. And yeah. I'm not saying that's clever. I'm not saying that's brainy. It's like, you know, there are people who are much better lovers than me, better friends, <laughs> better. Well, there's about three people who are better lovers. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I can you know, <laughs> I've had them. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, I'm not saying it's a gift. I'm just saying it's just the way my brain is. But, you know, people say to you, why are you a writer? But it's just no choice because yeah. these stories and characters and dialogue, literally dialogue goes through my head all day long. All day long, when I come to writing a script, the dialogue mm. takes about 10 seconds. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I go like that because, and I'm good at dialogue because it's yeah. all just there. It's there. It's like it's ready. It's kind of downloading. It's, it's, it's a strange thing. I'm very lucky. So I, I, I'm in the right job, I think. But is it, ever, is it ever exhausting? Is it ever like you can't, oh God, I can't sleep because there's voices and yes. ideas? Yes. And- oh, very much. Yeah. yeah. There's a new, I've got no new idea at the moment. And literally, I was tend to wake up at half past five and it's all boiling away and going, ticky, 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 ticky. Nicola Schindler, who I produce an awful lot of stuff, but she's, she's married to a writer, Matt Greenhouse, and she says writers never have holidays. Christmas Day or, or you're on the beach having a holiday, and it's all just plots, plots, plots going on yeah. at the same time. You literally, do you do this? I literally to have dialogue going through my head for shows that don't even exist, for characters that don't, like, characters don't even fit anything yet, just yeah. two people having tea, and then she says this, and he argues with her, and she says no, and then suddenly it gets very funny, that hasn't even got a show around it. It's just yeah. two people said to do you do that? It's I do. all the time. The closest yeah. thing I can relate it to 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 people who aren't writers is I think it's that thing, you know, when you have an argument with someone and you leave it, and then the next day you think of the perfect thing you could have said and you find yourself walking the street almost saying it out loud, like yes. mouthing it. Yes, that's yes, yes, what it's like to be yes, a writer, I think. That you you're going all the time. What is that called? That's called esprit de l'escalier, which is spirit of the staircase. It's a French phrase, oh, meaning the yeah. moment you leave the room and go down the stairs, you go, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. Esprit de l'escalier. That's posh. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, because I also find with, 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 my, with myself, I am happiest when there is a, a new idea, a new thing that I'm then obsessing about and thinking about and thinking, and, and if there ever yeah. isn't. I'm probably depressed. You go, what's wrong? Because <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not creating a new thing at the moment. Yes, maybe. that's true. I don't, except I don't really have times when there isn't because yeah. I might not be creating a new thing, but that couple having an argument about their tea is, is still going, or oh, that man who was a, 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 an argument at a bus stop, or and some of these characters have been thinking for, like, for years, and one day I think I'll find a show they'll all fit into. But um, So it, ne- it never really stops. It doesn't really go. To be honest, I mean, that's not uh, up days and down days like anyone else, mm. but um, no, there's a, there's never a day when they shut up, really. And do you find it, it, something I think is interesting in your stuff? Definitely true of years and years. Definitely true of it's a sin. 
and crew of queerest folk you seem drawn to and very very good at i did write to you about this that that you're very very good at big group scenes lots of characters you mm. rarely it's rarely well, not rarely but you 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 have two characters i find writing char- two characters talking to each other is easy you do yeah. 10 characters eight characters and they all have distinct personalities they're all characters they're all funny <laughs> together you know you you rattle i love those scenes yeah groups. yeah yes they're exhausting those scenes exhausting. Yeah. they're in a way it's kind of like it's kind of like just setting yourself a test that it's it's the hardest thing to write mm-hmm. and because no one can take a back seat but you can't have all eight talking at once yeah. and everyone's got to wait their turn and everyone's got to be unique it's like it's i i mean days like that i walk into this room it's like that's like heavyweight fighting i'm like yeah. literally like flexing my muscles and sitting and going i i also know i can do it but also I that goes hand in hand with the fear that I won't do it this time, that it'll go wrong. So um yeah, I love those scenes. I I kind of set those scenes up to keep myself Delivery. spinning, really. Yeah. yeah. It's a real uh, and it's a gift. I've told you this, but and it's a sin. Oh. I think it's ten minutes for us to fall in love with everyone. Oh. It's like oh. ten minutes. And we're like, I love everyone. I know everyone and I love everyone. <laughs> That's a miracle of casting that show, though. It is a miracle of casting that show. I mean, I have to admit myself something magic happened with that show. You hope that'll happen on every show you ever make. Mm. And I'm not saying I miscast anything else, but just sometimes that thing comes along. I think you yeah. did it. On, we were just talking before we started recording about Ted Lasso. I think sometimes something happens and something yeah. goes bazing in a way you could never plan for. And it did with that cast. It's like, yeah. bless them. Love them. Love them. Okay, two more, two more love, love things. I'm going to love, love you with. <laughs> uh, one is, I think the scene. No spoilers. If you haven't seen it, it's a scene. You, you have by now, but it's fucking phenomenal. But the scene on the bridge in the final episode oh. is top ten scenes in TV history of all time for oh, wow. many, many reasons. And one of them, I think, it's so shocking. It's such a shock, and it's so brilliant because it's the thing we've been building towards this whole season. Was, and then we, you do something else. <laughs> It's those incredible. three words, those three yeah. words that come bang. But actually, it's there's a reason why that works. Was that with me writing dialogue in my head all the time? I always knew that was coming from page one of episode one. I knew that was coming, so I had five wow. months of writing that thing to build up. To, it's no wonder it works because I've yeah. literally and I've been promising that to the production team. I go wait till you get to the end. Wait till you get to the end. This is brilliant scene. Wait till you get to the end. So everyone had been promised that moment. Again, it's like it's like setting yourself a challenge. It's like so I had to meet that challenge. Right. Would be prom- promising Keely Halls like honestly, honestly, please come and do this part where she accepted the part before that was written, oh, and wow. then all the other episodes she's got like just ten lines. Yeah. It's honestly Keely. Honestly, it'll pay off in the last episode. Honestly, honestly. And yeah. so, yeah. And there, I mean, that's the opposite of eight people on the scene. That's just, that's yeah. probably my favourite thing to write, actually. It's just two people, just yeah. two people talking to each other, ripping their souls open, the two yeah. of them. Like, wow. Oh that's, and that's, wow. The, so you say Thank you had you. the ending. How often have you got the whole thing, you know where your end is? How often have you written something where you don't know how it ends and you're working it out as you go? I kind of always know how it ends. Always, okay. always. It, it's always something to, it might change, but I actually, I can't think of, of a time when it does change. Actually, that's not the end. You know, there's, there's, there's another 10 yes. minutes after that. Um, but actually, I knew those scenes as well. Um, <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of never know the middle. And yeah. I know where to begin. I know what the ending is. And I've got like 10 poles all the way through then of, that you kind of swing between. But yeah, the ending, it just gives you hope. I can't yeah. imagine sitting here thinking, I don't know the end. <laughs> that must be the most horrific yeah, feeling. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully I've got something I'm going to write next year, which is five episodes long. I literally know, again, that ends on three words. Great three words. Oh. Bang, 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 like that. It's, oh so it's just good knowing, yeah. Okay, and the last <laughs> the last love thing, although I'm sure I'll do loads more, but the last love thing is I tell... I love the love. People who always say, ask for advice on writing, I tell them to watch one episode of Doctor Who, which is called Midnight, which oh, wow. I think is a just oh. a fucking creative masterpiece. It's essentially a bottle episode. It's all set, mostly all set in one room on a on a stalled yeah. spaceship, and it has almost no special effects. And within it, it ha- it contains all of philosophy about human nature. It has a genuinely terrifying idea that is done without any special effects. It's fucking scary. It's incredibly moving. It's sad. It's powerful. And it ends, it's haunting. And it's yeah. 40 minutes? Yeah, 40 minutes. Yeah, 45 minutes. 
And it's an entire new cast of characters. I mean, you're a yeah. genius. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I kill you, Brett, and tell you I've that in three days? <laughs> I love that you wrote that. No, it makes me happy that you did that. <laughs> I think you're, you're channeling. You're channeling. <laughs> Looking you at know. your deadlines now. You're really glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Please, you can. Yeah. Oh, again, it. cast. Look at that cast. David Tennant yeah. and Leslie Sharp. Actually, everyone in that cast. Lindsay Coulson. Oh, God, all of them. Colin, fantastic cast. Every single one of them. Very lucky. You're you're very good. So, (laughs) thank uh, you. But, oh, Russell. What? I've forgotten to tell you something. What? What? Uh, Maybe I should have told you this first and then done all the love stuff because maybe it would have sort of cushioned the blow. But I should have, I probably should have told you at the beginning. I forgot because I was just so excited to see you. But I had, I I I probably should have pointed it out. Ooh, I'm gonna kick myself. You've died. Oh, you're... mate! I know. I've got so much more to write. I know. It's... That's I, you're one of the people I've I'm... wanted to kill the least. I, I'm not ready. <laughs> and do you know what? Mm. British television will just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. It will be. It will be barren. It will be a barren landscape. I want BBC One with a black border for a whole month. Thank you very much. <laughs> How did you die, Russell? I Well, I actually, now you mention it, and there's a reason behind this, I actually fell down the stairs and broke my neck. That's terrible, isn't it? Horrific. And that, and that really hurts. That's, like, nasty. And the reason why this is ironic, it's an ironic death, was, like, round about 25 years ago, hmm. I read How to Save Your Life When You Fall Downstairs, How Not to Break Your Neck, which is, it's really interesting, This, which is to splay your arms and legs out wide because that jams you in the stairwell. But no one ever does it because when yeah. you fall, your automatic instinct is to kind of curl up, bang, yeah. bang, bang, 10, 20 steps, you've broken your neck, you're dead. And the most interesting thing about this is that I tell everyone this, Brett. <laughs> I, am, I, am I am that boring person that goes, did you know if ever you fall downstairs? So the hilarity at my funeral of everyone I know going, well, can you imagine that he actually fell downstairs yeah. and didn't follow the advice he's been giving people for 25 years? There would be rolling in the aisles, frankly, and the people would be dusting their hands like they do in cartoons, going, there we are. That's his fault. Of course you're not going to put your hands out. You've got to protect your face. Yeah, you don't. I know. Yes, that's what, Apparently, honestly, it's true. You don't do it, and that's why you die. And if you mm. just, if I can help anyone out there... From the afterlife, where I'm speaking now, if I can yeah. help anyone, do the star jump as you fall. Why? Wow. Splay! Splay, and you could save your life. Splay. <laughs> that voice in your head as you're falling. Splay. Splay. It would be incredible Splay, if bro. someone, as they fell downstairs, their first instinct would be to remember my words. <laughs> I think you'd have to be quite an odd person to think, oh, Russell T. Davis. <laughs> um, Riddle me this. How, how much do you worry about death? May I ask? I'm I you know I'm actually quite morbid. I I think a lot of writers are. I think all writers mm. are. I think we're all writing. I think we're all creating to fend off death. I'm genuinely morbid. When I was a little kid, when I was about three years old, and um, I've got two older sisters, and remember my parents would go out if they were like five minutes late coming back. My older sister would stand at the window, going, "I think they're dead." I think there's been a car crash and they're dead. It was like her thing. It was her thing. Yeah. And so I was brought up with that. If anyone's late, if anyone doesn't turn up, they're dead. <laughs> and I kind of, I'm not kidding. I kind of like, oh, if God. I get into a car or a taxi, there's a little bit of me thinking, I wonder if this is the journey that will kill me. Is that just me? No. I really do. That's not just you, but kind of constant. It. It's a constant little tick in my head. And one day I'll be going, there it is. I'm right. Splay. Splay. <laughs> 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 yeah. so yes very very my very. sister my sister certainly has death uh but only for herself it's like oh she's got a cold she's got she's gonna die always oh. whatever it is oh i cut myself that must be cancer i'm gonna die oh, you just cut your finger yeah but <laughs> that's this is the sister who i listen to your podcast she sleeps too much doesn't she or she loves sleep she loves sleep yes she loves sleep good <laughs> Shout out to Tara. Hope you're having a lovely nap during this. Well, is she real or is this a little bit Norman Bates? You actually go and put on a wig. <laughs> Here's my sister. Well, no one's seen her, so let's just leave it at yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, do, do, what do you think happens after you die? Do you think there's an afterlife? How do you feel Nothing, about that? Nothing, no. Really? 
absolutely nothing. And I know it. <laughs> I just yeah. don't believe it. It's, it's not a merely belief of mine. It's a fact. Let's not even play around here. There's nothing. Nothing. Of course there isn't. It's true. Do you know, us atheists are so polite, mm. I've got to say, yeah. and I'm going to stop being polite and stop. But my husband died a couple of years ago, and yeah. it's like the amount of people who look me in the eye, you know, if something, if I get something on telly or something nice happens to me, the amount of people who look me in the eye go, he's smiling down at you now, he's happy now. And I literally oh, sit there wow. going, how the fuck do you dare think you yeah. know what he's doing better than I do? They say it right to your face. Yeah. And we're brought up in this Christian society that's really polite to people. Oh, thank you very much like that. Someone's going to get a smack in the face one day when they say that to me. <laughs> that is a it's bold like, thing to say to you, actually. It's, yeah. Oh, all the time people say. And they're, they're being really nice. It's a horrible thing yeah. to say. I'm a vile person. He'd be frowning <laughs> at me now, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> He's very disappointed. <laughs> very disappointed at what I'm saying. It's such an arrogant thing to say to mm. people. Honestly, check yourselves, people. Don't say it. It's rude. Yeah. So, 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 having that as your base level, like, are you just at peace with that? I suppose. Is it? Does it not fill you with existential dread or like, oh god? Or... Oh my god! Look, it's kind of win-win because if there is a heaven, I'm like, hey! <laughs> it's like, can you imagine? I'll be the one like running down that valley of flowers, go, yeah, this is brilliant. <laughs> But the, sadly, not yeah. about that. But I love that my heaven is a valley full of flowers. I'm not sure where I got that from. <laughs> it's like a camp little heaven waiting for me. Got that from what dreams may come, I think. Yes. <laughs> well, I tell you this, Russell T. Davis. Yes. There is a heaven, and oh, it's a valley of flowers with a cinema. With a, <laughs> there's definitely a cinema. There's a massive cinema. The Valley of Flowers multiplex. Yes. <laughs> let's let's go there, Brett. Should we so go there? Lovely. Let's go there, shall we? <laughs> And uh, and in this heaven, a but by the way, for the record, mm. the people of heaven they're so nice that when you arrive, none of them are mad that you didn't believe. They're all like, "Hey, wow, well, well, that's that's where you win. They have to forgive." That's yes. like this this Christianity. Del- they not are bad. actually yeah. delighted because they're massive fans, and uh, they want to know yeah. about your life. They want to know about all this stuff, but they want to know about your life through film. Yes, because it's heaven. And the first thing they ask you is, "What's the first film you remember seeing?" Russell T. Davies? Yes. It's a bit of a blur because I'm back in the 60s, so there's like, was it Oliver? Was it Jungle Book? But the trip to the cinema that I remember first was a trip, because I remember, because I lived in Swansea, and we went to Port Albert, which was a big trip. Went to Port Albert to see a double bill of Ring of Bright Water and Carry On Camping. Wow. That, that that's quite a double bill, isn't it? That's that really quite, quite something. It's like one in which uh, an otter is butchered to death <laughs> in front of you, and then Barbara Windsor gets her breasts out. That's like probably explains my whole life. No wonder you don't believe in God. I mean that's <laughs> so wonder I don't believe in women. It's like, <laughs> it's like, what a strange yeah. upbringing. What a double bill. I love double bills. And if you think about I pro I'd love to see Ring of Bright Water again now, because I haven't seen it since. And like, you know, it's about a cute animal, but but like cats are cute and dogs are cute mm. and baby Yoda is cute. An otter? Yeah. What does that film look like? Do they actually make that otter cute? And it's not like he dies saving your life. He doesn't, you know, go on the brake pedal of the car or he doesn't warn you that a landslide's coming. He's just shot along in a ditch and a man picks up a spade and clubs his head in. It's like, <laughs> what is that film saying? That's your first film. That's that, When I said I was obsessed with death and then yeah. we watched Carry On Camping, all asses must be shown. <laughs> <laughs> What a, what a contrast! What a contrast! Did you go with your with your family, with your sisters? Who obsessed with? I was. My mum took that with my two sisters. It was a special little trip. At why that was in yeah. Port Talbot when Swansea was full of cinemas. Uh, I have yeah. literally that's lost in the mists of time, but it must have been a double bill that attracted Did, my mother enormously. Like here we go, let's go. Do you it. remember? Like I, I meant to ask you this earlier, but it applies with this. You you are a writer. You are a writer. You are sort of a born writer. Do you remember when you were little, like when you watched films, were you like, this is what I want to do, this storytelling? Or were you like, do you remember it starting? Kind of. That's a very Doctor who thing, to be honest. Um, that was, and I think it's, it's true. Of, oh, it's a great big wasp in the room with me. Um, there's yeah, it's an annoying one. It's really un- annoying on podcasts where people say things like that. Like when Adam Buxton talks to his dogs. Stop talking to your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me. 
so Doctor Who's the thing for that. That's those are the first stories I started right. to write. That's when it's when actually you become a writer. You yeah. think, oh, the Daleks invade my street, and this happens, and that happens. Yeah. So that's that's not a cinema thing for me. That's TV. Right? Okay. Yeah, I love very it. much. What is the film that made you cry the most? You are are you a crier? Oh, like yeah. big time. Like I I I cry at the go compare advert when he goes, It's me. <laughs> I go, Of course it's you. It's very of course movie. it's your voice. It's me. And so literally <laughs> terrible cry. But no, love, not terrible. I'm happy to cry at anything. Yeah. I am that audience. In real life, you could probably be clubbed down in front of me and I'd look at you with a glassy, impulsive face. But <laughs> when it comes to fiction, <laughs> it's, uh, the thing that got me, the thing that most first upset me and not just made me cry but upset me mm. is the towering inferno a truly great film when yeah. jennifer jones falls out the scenic elevator wow. that's a crew she's been she's she's fred astaire's girlfriend yeah. and he's she's she saved a deaf woman there's a deaf woman and children she saved a deaf woman so you kind of think she's safe you think yeah. right and she's middle-aged she's as well she's not like that you know she's that that middle-aged guy thinks she'll be safe she gets in a scenic elevator with fade on the way they're going they're on the hundredth floor there's an explosion the wire snap and it's such a cruel death because an extra knocks the panel of glass out of the lift the extra i would love to find this woman she's got it coming the extra gets out the way she gets out the way she's saved so jennifer jones just falls right through the open gap and falls a hundred floors to her death that is a really na- and it honestly upset me I, I looked up what date this was i was 11 Right. when i saw this so i'm old enough to know that she's not really dead but actually it really kind of on some profound level it really tackled me i wasn't i, mean, I went and saw it with my mum and dad as well so i didn't like to cry in front of them so that was embarrassing yeah and then i can remember going home like really i knew she wasn't really dead i knew i remember watching the credits i knew her name was jennifer jones it's like right she's jennifer jones of course, there was no internet to look up there. I couldn't look up the internet to find out she was living in LA quite happily and appearing in Fulton Crest or something. So I was genuinely, it upset me so much, I felt like she died. And yeah. I needed some sort of reassurance that she hadn't, that never came. Did I tell you I'm obsessed with death? It's like, <laughs> Yeah, you're obsessed with death. But it's also, that is what's interesting, that it's another kind of, that it's a cruel, you know, godless death. She'd done good. This yes. woman had done good. And then... She yes. still died. And, I love and, disaster movies for that. I love all. I love the. Yeah. I love the Poseidon Adventure. It's that I, those seventies ones are brilliant and never matched. I think I love them. Shelley Winters in the Poseidon Adventure die. That's fantastic. Actually, they always kill off the middle aged woman, don't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love I've that you've still got a vendetta against the extra. That oh yeah, that. who was she? She's probably yeah. a stunt woman, bless her. But it's like it's it because I literally have slowed it down on VHS since and watched it. Going, it's that woman. It's that woman's fault. Oh, it's cruel. <laughs> cruel. You could uh, have lost Faye Dunaway. Who'd have missed her? No one. Yeah, and you are very good at writing a cry things that make you make you cry. I mean, your mm. doctor, your Doctor Who's. I think I cried every week. <laughs> I did love the old tears there, but it was just—it's so full-blooded Doctor Who, isn't it? It's like mm. it's so—it's so much fun. You've got to kind of balance the fun with with a bit of that as well. It's yeah. just—it's just all emotion, really. It's just—if it wasn't—if it wasn't that full-blooded, then you're just looking at laser beams. Yeah, you know, there's there's no point otherwise. Happy days. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity, so I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree, or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right! They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre, and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia, and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. 
Thanks, Marie. Now, you're also good at scaring people. What's the film oh, yes. that scared you the most? Okay, it's pretty... I hovered over Trilogy of Terror with Karen Black. That's a very good film. But actually, it's The Exorcist, the good old-fashioned Exorcist, because I saw that. I didn't see it on its first release, but it was I saw it in the Jackson Street Cinema in Oxford like two nights before my finals when I was a student. And obviously now you laugh at finals. They don't matter at all, kids. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you do at the time. They're very like, important, whole, actually. They're your whole world. You two nights before, it's like... Yeah. So it was absolutely the wrong mood to go and see a film like that in because it really got to me. It, you know, now you kind of laugh at The Exorcist and all the makeup on Linda Blair's face. And also, now every other film is like The Exorcist. You forget when I was 18 that you didn't have films full of explosions and aliens and demons and monsters. It's like they were still rare. And there'd never been anything like that. So it re- it's, well, it's, re- it's religiosity got to me. It's watching yeah. a film in which, you know, actually devils are real. And yeah, it, I remember I went home that night and I was properly disturbed by it. I wasn't just scared. Yeah, It really got to me. I thought it, it was just that capacity thing. Imagine if that world existed. That first, you know, that first half hour of the film, before you get to Linda Blair, where you're, where are you, Israel or somewhere, or Libya? Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. And it's all very, very str- yes, and the strange people pass by, people with a blind eye and a clock stops. Do you remember the scene where yeah. a clock is going tick-tock and it just suddenly stops? It's so unnerving and it so brilliantly sets that up. It's like, weirdly, that was my my husband's favourite film, as in his favourite film. Really? Full stop. How can that be your favourite film? He was nuts, wasn't he? He'd like, <laughs> get a day off work, he'd watch that on a Tuesday afternoon. I'd say, what, did, what did you do this afternoon? Oh, I watched The Exorcist. He'd go... You did what? It's like it's not. It's not a film widely passed a couple of hours. Oh, yes, barely a month go by without him digging out that DVD. Wow. It's not funny. I know. Cup of tea and the Exorcist. Yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> do you like? Do you you like? Oh no, I'm not putting this on you. Do you like horror films generally? Yes, do you like, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I'm. I like. I do. I love them. And um, I'll kind of you know I'll go through that. I'm that rubbish viewer. I'll go through the list on Sky. We know we've got nothing to watch. Yeah, and there's those Sky movies like. The Deadly Vault, you know, and it's and you read the billing and it says a woman goes home after twenty years to find out why her parents died, only to discover that a demon is possessed. Like that, I mean, and they're rubbish. You know, it says it says two stars. It's got people in it you've never yeah. heard of, and but I, that's my Tuesday afternoon. Oh my God, no wonder I married my husband. It's <laughs> I've just realised that I'm yeah. choosing to spend my Tuesday afternoons with worse films <laughs> than The Exorcist, as if you're trying oh to make my a God. point. <laughs> oh my god! I've just unravelled myself. But I am, um, or you know, ten o'clock at night on a Wednesday. If tonight if there's nothing on, I'd be like, oh, let's let let's watch, you know, the Evil Seller, and <laughs> and there's so many of them on a double bill with the Deadly Vault. There is so many of them on Sky. It's just yeah. you know, you get your big movies on Sky, and then there's an endless list of rubbish. And there I am, somewhere in LA. You know, someone's bank account just gone ping two dollars. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Russell. Who was that? <laughs> what is the film that people don't really like? It's not critically acclaimed, but you love it the most, other than The Evil Seller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found this question, because we are faithful listeners, we have sent these questions in advance, just to blow the whole film up. In what? advance. And I find this kind of tricky. It's like, say it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a film that you really love with all your heart, but it's not. it's a film that most people think is shit basically i i've had a hard time thinking of this one i've got a film that i really love that everyone's forgotten go on will that do yeah i'll take that no no way out the kevin costner sean young sean kevin young costner gene hackman uh sex in a limo oh is the sex in a limo i just remember that the plot twist if you haven't oh. seen it spoiler of the sadly i remember the sex in the limo <laughs> <It's still> just... <laughs> that's yeah, how I our brains that. work you know like, the, <laughs> the twist is great i like yeah sex in a limo <laughs> <laughs> but that's quite a forgotten film. No one ever says, "Oh, I love No Way Out." Yeah. I remember watching that, going, "It's it's a great thriller." The twist, Brett, which you've forgotten, um, yeah. is it, brilliant. It's a huge cinematic twist that, like, no one does often enough. It's brilliant. The twist is the limo isn't moving. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the twist is that wasn't sex, Brett. <laughs> what are you thinking? That's not really answering your question, is it? I, I did all of this. Okay, okay. Because actually, it might make some people go and watch that film, and yeah. it's a great film. That's lovely. And they'll get to that twist, and they'll be like, "Oh my god!" Actually, now I've ruined the twist because they'll, you know, you'd be three quarters of the way through going, "Well, nothing's twisted." 
therefore <laughs> the only possible twist is so right. I blame it. never mind yeah well you've oh, saved yeah. us saved us some time uh what is the film that you used to love you used to love it very much and then you've watched it recently and your feelings for it have changed for whatever reason that may be yeah, yeah. this is a tricky one because i'm gonna say and it, it technically in itself it's a great film and no one meant any harm at the time it's the lost boys actually which Go is on. A, a great film but now you have to watch that with the history of Corey Haim and Corey oh, Feldman God. which is the film's kind of ruined and, and I'm, 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 yeah, that sound makes it even that conversation makes it sound like their fault and it's not their fault it's certainly not Corey Haim's fault it's you see the the you know it's go and look them up if you don't know the history of of mm. of and again, I don't want to get you legally in trouble. Uh, supposed sexual abuse, yeah. which I'm sure happened, not on that film, but in those people's mm. lives. It's you know, it's a story of two young kids in Hollywood, and the story of Corey and Haim and Corey Feldman is a very sad story and yeah. and shocking, and really ge- profoundly shocking and part- undoubtedly true. And that film is a great film, but it's just infected by your knowledge of the world that they were living in at the time. And actually, no one's ever said there was any abuse on that film, as far as I know. It's a shame because it's a beautiful, the ending, the music, Joel Schumacher at his best. It's just great, but kind of spoiled, really spoiled by real life, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me this. What is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is any good, but because the experience you had around seeing the film will always mm-hmm. make it special for you. That's a tricky one, isn't it? It's, oh, there's a few. It was the time I went to see Disney's Beauty and the Beast, the animated <sighs> version, obviously. And I was all alone in the cinema. And that was magnificent. It was, that was like a Tuesday afternoon. And my, I got to see a film. You realise how much... The bodies in the cinema soak up the sound because when there's no one there, the sound was the storm was going. I was being knocked out of my chair, and and also you can cry more and you can laugh yes. more and you can enjoy. When the cutlery all starts singing, I gasped out loud. I was like, oh, oh my god, like that, like you would never do if you were sitting with other people. Yeah. Oh my god, I loved that. That was a great. But actually, anything. Then the opposite end of that is I was in America on July the fourth when Independence Day came out. And, oh, and I love that film. I love that film. Love that film. Exactly. I can't, people now kind of love it ironically, like, oh, it's rubbish. It's not. It's fantastic, that it's film. So good. It's great. But actually to see that, and they, they were, it was so popular. And this was, this happens quite a lot now, but this was in these days, this never happened. There were like screenings 24 hours. Mm. So I got into like a 1am screening full of a thousand right. people who were just cheering and blowing up the aliens. And also genuinely, it's laughing at jokes that you don't get on your own necessarily. There's a, there's a moment night with the, the young lad sitting in a truck at night with his girlfriend and he's trying to sleep with her uh, because the alien's coming. It's like, you watch that on your own and that's kind of fairly corny. Watch that with like 500 frat boys who are <laughs> laughing so much at those jokes. And actually, they're laughing at themselves with yeah. the frat boy trying to get laid. It was just joyous. It's, it's like that's, that's how those films should be seen. Maybe all those films should always be seen with a thousand people cheering. Yeah. And then you realise that, I'm like, oh, all right, it's very gung-ho and militaristic. But now, oh, fuck off, those aliens are trying to kill us. It's... <laughs> Blow them up. What did you want us to do? Chat to them? They didn't have and mouths. And you know, people sit there, oh, how, is, how, is, how is the computer, how is Jeff Goldblum's computer compatible with the aliens at the end? You go, all right, then let's have a version which it isn't. And we all die. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want, for God's sake? What do you want these films to be? Uh, Shut up. I love that film. That's, that that is experience. two perfect, perfect answers. Congratulations. Thank um, you. <laughs> what is the, here we go. Here's something, here we go, Russell. What's the sexiest film you've ever seen? Well, now, it's it's actually, it's undoubtedly, it's My Beautiful Laundry. It's it's those two right, having sex yeah. in that film, which is, it's an astonishingly sexy scene. But it would be an astonishingly sexy scene now mm. and at the time. And I love the fact that, as far as I'm aware, that film like wasn't sold as a gay film, no, a gay romance. No, and it's not, and I'm not just like, obviously I'm liking it because it's gay, but um, I also like the fact that Shirley Ann Field is in the other room. And I've always thought that's lacking from my sex life completely. Shirley Ann Field should always be in the other room, <laughs> not knowing what's going on. I mean, and Shirley, there's the most beautiful woman in the world, in the and she's beautiful, Shirley Ann Field, in the other room. There's so many layers to that, and, and it's so undramatic. But at the same time, it's, there's like, 
pouring champagne over each other, aren't they, or something? Are they swigging champagne? Yeah, so yeah. So it's it's kind of working class and down to earth, but there's champagne and it's oh, it's properly, properly, properly sexy. That brilliant scene, brilliant. That's great. Right. Uh, there's a subcategory to this question. Uh, the sub no. the subcategory is uh, troubling boners, worrying widons, a film you found arousing that you weren't sure you were meant to. You see. Now, that's a thing of the past for me now. I'm 58 this year, Brett. It's all gone. <laughs> but looking back, thank God, the, the devil is off my shoulder. But <laughs> looking back to when you were 14, mm-hmm. and you're, can you see where I'm going? When I was 14, when you shag a letterbox at 14, and when, <laughs> that's 1977, you can see where I'm going. It's like, and this is never spoken about enough, actually. What exactly happened on the Millennium Falcon between Han Solo and Luke Skywalker? Because it was happening. I'm telling you now, I'm a writer. I've written those scenes. They were banging away like Billio. And it's like, and then, then I, I don't know if much slash fiction about those two, but in my head at 14, that was, and actually it's genuinely before the whole world fell in love with Harrison Ford and right. before Star Wars became what it was. To me, obviously it was a brilliant film and I loved it, but actually it was about, I mean, Han Solo's got like buckles across his groin. They knew. And Han Solo's got a little, and Luke's got a little skirt across his groin. It's like, it's like, I could write essays on the representation of the groin in cinema. And um, <laughs> they knew on that film what they were doing. Buckles, skirts. Buckles and all skirts. Happening. All happening. Absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating. I yep. really would read your essays for the record. Yep. So I'll make that Star Wars film one. <laughs> this is your <laughs> Can pitch. You imagine? I like that. Excellent. Objectively, Russell. Objectively. Yes. yes. What's the greatest film of all time? I'm going to say Back to the Future. Delightful. That must get said a lot. Has that been said before on yeah. your five thousand podcast before you got round to me? Do you know what? <laughs> they were all they were all just practice for <laughs> being said properly now. I do love it. I think it's just about it's great big blockbustery. It's funny. It's so funny. That's yeah, like all oh, and it's so much of the humour's gone out of blockbusters these days. Bring really? the, it's the, we used to laugh at them. Actually, Marvel has a fair old level of humour mm-hmm. in them. But they used to be properly fun. And do you know my favourite thing about that film? I do love blockbuster films. I love fantasy films. I love great big high-concept stuff like that. And it's a film without a villain. There is no enemy in that film except time. There's the school bully, there's Biff. Yeah. But he just... And actually, I don't think it works in the second one where he becomes a villain. He gets yeah. villainous. You're like going, no, 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 he's just Biff, he's an idiot. And he just he gets in the way of the plot. He punches someone at the wrong time just to hold you up, but just to hold you up against the greater villain, which is time. Yeah. You are simply got to get to that town hall as that lightning bolt strikes in that car. The whole thing is a work of genius. I can remember sitting in the cinema in Cardiff. I saw that in Cardiff for the first time. And in the days when there were smoking areas in the cinemas on the left, so I was sitting on the left, smoking away, sitting there thinking, this film is perfect and it is it still is i think and it's also i went when we had the like week between lockdowns where there was like that week where i was like hey and then it went lockdown again uh i i wanted to go to the cinema but they weren't putting any new films out and so back to the future was on so i went and watched it and i hadn't watched it properly and i watched it big screen i hadn't watched it properly. still good still really really good but what's fascinating about it i guess for me is it's also very weird for a big you know, blockbuster film. Oh. It's, a, it's incredibly unique in in ways that you sort of go. I don't know that you would have got notes from execs like there's there's you know it's about a, a mum trying to sleep with her son. Yes, that's odd. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's this weird kind of there's a lot of uh, men have to punch people. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> there's this weird subplot with plutonium and and he, and oh, Marty yeah. has this friendship with this this older man that's never. And by the way, all of it works and it's amazing and it's yeah, very satisfying yeah, yeah. and brilliant. But it's weird. It's quite weird when you look do at... The, do the terrorists look a bit dodgy now? Are they, are they it's Libyans or Syrians or it's, something dodgy? Do, that's, like, yeah. that's a question. That's a question. Yes. I will. Yes. I live in the air. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but it's like quite adult. They'd be proud boys now, wouldn't they? They'd just be proud boys. <laughs> like, to bring down the capital. That'd be a much better version. Yeah. Oh, but it's great, isn't it? But it's, it's so good. I, remember the, I can remember the moment of... The cables come undone and the lightning bolts yeah. on its way and Doc 
has to swing all the way down. I literally remember sitting there going, well, that's perfect. Yeah. That is every part of the plot is character. That fits his character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That fits the time. That fits the hope you have. For, oh, what a film. What a film. Right, wow. right film. Also um, pretty sexy Michael J. Fox. Very yeah. nice. Lovely. He's, Beautiful. Speaking, there you go. And relatable workaholic was making family ties at the same time. Yep, absolutely. Probably very tired on his skateboard. Doesn't show it. <laughs> Back to Future 3 is good as well. I'm not so yep. fond of 2. People love 2. I don't love 2. 3 is great as well. Yeah. 3 is good. What's the film that you can or have watched the most over and over again? Well, it's funny this one because it's not one you... I mean, I, I have seen Star Wars a million times and if, and if Independence Day is on, I'll watch that. It's actually... The one I can never turn away from is Remains of the Day, really? which I, if ever that's on, you know, and it'll crop up on Film 4 or, you know, late night on Channel 4. And you think, oh, I'll just have a look at this. And once I've seen one scene, I cannot look. I mean, that's a perfect film. I actually could have, it's a perfect book and it's a perfect film yeah. of a perfect book. And, and I mean, perfect, perfect. And I think, I think it's just the, I think it's so understated that you know the, the repression of that lead character i can remember reading that book i read i was on a holiday in paris on my own and i was sitting in this park and i was crying my eyes out reading the book i love it mm. and so and so you can watch anthony hopkins do any scene in that film not saying what he's thinking and 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 i think that's why you can't look away it, it's yeah. because because the the because the, the, of the silence of it the unsaidness of it and then emma thompson's face at the uh, on her last shot as that bus or tram pulls away is just that's maybe that's i maybe i cry more at that than jennifer jones falling out of the lift and um oh i love it so so weirdly i find myself watching it it could be halfway through when i go oh look remains the day on bang an hour later i'm still there love it one of the other, I'm giving you one more, one more love thing. One of my other favorite things that you ever wrote was the completion, was the ending of Donna in Doctor Who. Is what oh. how, how that story completes is one of the yes. most saddest things I've ever seen. And yes. and in that, what happens? No spoilers, but what David Tennant <laughs> has to do is not reveal anything no. say yes yes and it's yes. like that it's that's your remains uh, of the day yeah that's, that's your... my remains of the day it just had daleks and davros in it. <laughs> yeah which let's face it would have improved remains yes, of the day. <laughs> i'd much rather watch that <laughs> uh, truthfully i'll um, take that compliment gladly <laughs> now we uh we don't like to be negative but what's the worst mm. film you've ever seen? This is negative because I love it so much. I could talk about it forever. So just <laughs> okay. prepare yourself for a long podcast. You know the film When a Stranger Calls? Yes. When a Stranger Calls is the call is coming from inside the house. Yes. A classic, a classic. The sequel, which I thought was called When a Stranger Calls 2, but it's called When a Stranger Calls Back. Yes. Do you know this that. film? You know, weirdly, not to a, a, a podcast guest before you, but but no. was that Andy Nyman? Andy Nyman texted me and said, "You have to watch Where the Stranger Calls Back," and I have. No, oh, you yeah, have watched it. I have watched. Oh it my before. god! But isn't it? But isn't it? So let's let me just describe the basics now. Yes. There's a babysitter in a house. There's a knock at the front door, and there's a man's voice going, "Hello, hello, my car's broken down. Can you let me in, please?" Oh, I can't let anyone in. I'm looking after two children. No, no, please let me in, please. Let me in. And it turns out. The, the murderer is standing behind her because he's painted himself the same colour as the wall. That's not the funniest bit. He's painted himself the same colour as the wall, but he is a professional ventriloquist. So he's throwing his voice to make it sound as though it's coming from outside the door. And this is my favourite thing. And this, I, I tell this story an awful lot because you must have had this happen in your career. It's like there must have been a 100 people on set that day let alone the fact that, that script had been to 100 people. And then there's a 100 the costumes standing there and continuity and props and carpenters and electricians. Everyone's standing there thinking... That's not how ventriloquism works. You don't, you don't, you don't literally throw your voice so it sounds like it's coming from the other side of the door. She's got her back to where the man with the voice is, and yet the entire film supposes that you, you actually throw your voice. No one said so. Haven't you been in things where something's gone yeah. wrong and like literally a prop's been wrong or a stage direction's been wrong and no one says anything? I love that. I literally, I sit, I'm one sitting in the edit going afterwards going, why did no one say anything? <laughs> why did no one point this out? And that film, how many people were on set that day? Yeah. Going, 
that's how, let alone the fact that he paints himself the same colour as the wall. Yeah. Which to, is... Which he wouldn't have known what he had to get in the house, see the wall, bring various paints with him. I th- Yes, various paints, because I think he moves rooms. Yeah. There's one fantastic shot where there's just a wall, and then you see his eyes open. <laughs> He's standing <laughs> against the wall. It really is staggeringly bad, that. Staggeringly. <laughs> Isn't it nuts? Oh, I'm so glad you've seen it. No one else has ever yeah, seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you can, you can get it on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Highly recommend. Highly recommend it. Oh, really recommend it because it's like, he paints him. How does he find out the colour of the wall? He must do some research, mustn't he? Uh, yeah, um, I did think about that. And I, I've also wondered, like, because the thing that always bothers me about painting yourself into the wall, it's fine. I don't object to it. But what I, ha, do you, you have to hold a mirror. There's no one there to tell him, yes, you're in the right spot of the stripes. or And a very you know. specific piece of wall, I would yeah. think. It's like, it's not just, you know, it's not a corner. It's like you have to stand right there. Yeah. And it's pretty tricky to murder someone to, yeah. <laughs> when you're having to pretend to be a wall. And you're also covered in paint. And, and also, the other thing is, you probably smell like paint. You haven't been there long. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. She's going, smell, very painty smell in here. And I would imagine throwing your voice takes some concentration. So his mind's not even on that. He's like thinking, hello, my car's broken down outside. <laughs> He's, he's putting his heart and soul into like, hello, can you help me? Can you open the door? Also, he also has to go nowhere where there's glass in the front door. Yeah. Or it's blown. It's yeah. like, I can only murder babysitters in houses that have completely wooden doors. Wooden doors. It's and when I'm throwing that voice, he's throwing it over the babysitter, through the yes, door. But they don't actually throw them. <laughs> Listen, that's what, if we've called it that, we say that for a reason. That's what I think is that the writer read yes. Ventriloquist. Maybe never, many, maybe never seen a ventriloquist, which is rare. How many people on that film <laughs> thought they throw their voices? They throw they their voices. How many? It's a bit, I once did a drama where, and I better not name names, but where there was a lift and we couldn't afford a lift. It's an old-fashioned grill lift. So we do the lift with lights. You know, if you're going down, yeah. the lights are going up on your face. And if you're going up, the lights are going down on your face. So this woman gets in the lift and the lights go the wrong She's going up and the lights go the wrong way. The lights go up, which means she's going down. Now, this lift is very clearly in the basement. I'm sitting there in the edit going, well, she's on a lift to hell, isn't she? She's going down into hell. And I maintain 60 people stood on set and no one said those lights are going the wrong way. That happens a lot, though, doesn't it, on set? It does happen a lot. And no it, one I has the nerve to pipe up. Yeah, no, it's, it's like you're not the boss, so you have to go, well, maybe they, they know what they're doing. Maybe yes, there's that's something. it. They think there's something I don't know. There's some reason for yeah. this. I don't want to be stupid and go, why are the lights going? And they go, because it's art. Because actually in her mind, she's going downstairs or something. And you go, oh, sorry, I didn't understand the script. But ventriloquism? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, I love that film. That's great. Great. Now, you are very funny, Russell. And you've written lots of stuff that's very funny. What's the <laughs> film that made you laugh the most? It is probably, I think, South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut. It's a fucking great film. Also, it's a great film. That's the thing. Now, that I cried at the end of that film, where Kenny saves the world. And that film works like a blockbuster in ways that modern blockbusters don't work well enough anymore. And all the gears clicking, all the hydraulics go boom, 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 and give you a happy ending. And, you know, it had a song called Blame Canada that was nominated for Best Oscar, and Robin Williams sang it at the Oscars. Blame Canada. But it's properly funny, that thing. It's a genuinely brilliant musical as well. Yeah, the songs are brilliant. Everything's brilliant, brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. It's a properly great film. Very Love good it. shout. Russell T. Davis, you've been such a dream delight. A dreamy, the best? A dreamy... Is it the, the best? best ever? The, yeah. Uh, I'm calling it. it. For, for anyone who else has been on a podcast who's listened to this, please mute. <laughs> mute please turn it off for a second. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, you the, can do it like a ventriloquist. Yes, yeah, the voice. Of... <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me. That was someone from no, their voice. That was the wall. Uh, <laughs> That was my Muppet poster just talking. <laughs> uh, what uh, what I will say is when you were uh, you were headed down the stairs, it was a big staircase. You were just heading down the stairs, and um, and yes. you tripped, and oh, as oof. you fell, you went slay slay, and then you were like, no, not slay. What was the word? Splay. Oh. But you. Splay. But oh, by the no. time you'd realised it was splay, not slay. <sighs> You had connected with the stairs. Your arms were curled inside you. you fell. I was slayed. You were, and you were slayed. You broke your neck at oh. the end. 
like it was quite a lot of it was quite nasty as it went down i'm really sorry you actually hit the stairs about 30 or 40 times before you broke your neck and then when you broke your neck it was it was instant then but it was pretty brutal underway anyway i was walking around looking for you i was like where's russell i ain't seen russell in a while i wonder where russell is and i was carrying my coffee and you know what i'm like and i knock on your door your door's open because you're very trusting. You just don't yeah. like your door. So I, I walk I'm in all and trust. I see, see your broken broken neck body at the bottom of the stairs. I'm devastated because, you know, I, I, I like you and stuff, but you're dead. Yeah, and uh, foxes have eaten you because you left the door oh, open. Foxes have really? eaten you. They'd lay yeah. eggs. You know, foxes lay eggs. <laughs> and I know. Stuff had been growing in your in your carcass. Moss. Moss. Moss was there. Little fox eggs. Bracken. <laughs> it was more of you than I was expecting. Is the point? So I and I'm six get, foot six. There's a lot of me. Yeah, and it's and on just... on telly you look six foot four. So I'd actually brought yeah. a coffin that was six foot four. I'd forgetting that there was the extra two inches. Anyway, right. I get your axe. You know you've got that axe, and uh, mm. I get it from your from your kitchen where you you use to cut up your dinner. And I get the yeah. axe, and then I have to <laughs> chop up chop up your bones, make it smaller, right? Chop right, up, right. chop up all the bits. Put it in the blender you have for for your for your steaks. And stuff. No. Put you in a bit anyway. Put you in this coffin. It's rammed. There's very little room in this coffin. There's so much more than I was mm. expecting. There was only enough room in this coffin for you to take for me to slip one DVD into the side for you to take to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. And one night, it's oh. your movie night. What film oh, are you taking wow. to show everyone in heaven when it's your movie night? Russell T. Davis. All right, I will take Return of the Jedi. Because Ding. it gets updated every 10 years. So every 10 <laughs> years, it'll have something new added to it. In another 10 years, it'll be 4D. It'll be like, it'll move through time, <laughs> sort of space. It's like, thank you, Lucas Empire. I will. That take is a that. lovely, lovely choice. Russell, is there anything other than your magnificent back catalogue? Is there anything coming up or you would like people to look out for, to listen to, or to watch? You know, there isn't. Well, there is, but it's not kind of announced that I'll have something on ITV at the end of next year. That's <gasps> ITV, yes. And there's a reason it has to be on ITV, and that's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, what? Because it needs ad breaks? What? Mm, What's what the secret? <laughs> please watch. Please watch. <laughs> um, I uh, love you. Oh, I love you. I've loved this. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, and the best. I hope you have a lovely. Thank you for doing this. The best. And I hope <laughs> you have a lovely uh, death. Good day to you, sir. And good night. Thank you. God rest my soul, which does not exist. <laughs> good night. So that was episode 149. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 25 minutes of chat, secrets and video with Russell. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but instead of writing about the show, write about a film that means the most to you and why. It's lovely to read and it helps our numbers and it means Maureen can stay drinking craft beer or whatever she's into this week. The big announcement, if you missed it, I will be doing a live Films to be Buried with at the Underbelly Festival in London on July the 3rd at 5 o'clock p.m. That is a live Films to be Buried with in a Spiegel tent. Come along. We'll have a right old time. I'll have an amazing guest. We'll do the show and then we'll do a Q&A and you can tell me the films that meant the most to you from the audience. We'll have a right old time. Come on, people together in a thing with ventilation. It'll be fun, I hope. Yeah, it will be. Come on. Get your tickets. Look online. Thank you very much. See you there. Thank you very much to Russell for doing the show. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lytham for the photography. Come and join me next week for another smashing guest. Oh yeah, you'll love it. I hope everyone is well. So that is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other.
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.